Welcome to The Untrue Show, my personal journal covering pop culture, millennial life, relationships, and career from an untrue point of view, hosted by me, Dana Jones. I am so happy to be back. I feel like I'm always in my happy place when I am prepping and recording this show, and I hope that it shows to you guys that are listening. If you're new here, welcome, and if you are have been here before. Thank you for coming back. I really, really, really appreciate it. I've gotten some really great feedback about my podcast over the last few months. And so it makes me excited and it makes me want to continue to grow this little thing that I've been building on for the past couple of years and putting a lot of time into. I wanted to talk about something really personal this week and I was really nervous about how to go about doing that. I'm not, I'm just going to be very straightforward and candid when I say that I drafted up notes and I spent a lot of time thinking through this and I even did some research for this in my last couple modules for my MBA program because it's near and dear to my heart and it's something that I've been going through over the last few years working in this space of digital marketing. And so first things first, I'll kind of get started on what brought me to want to talk about this topic. I am a digital marketer. I've worked in digital for the past 12 years. I started out in PR, then I moved over to do social media management. I started doing email marketing management. I did a little bit of SEO, pay-per-click ads. I did some influencer marketing. I really feel like I've gotten the total marketing experience. I worked at a small agency. I worked at three startups. I worked for myself as a consultant at those three startups. And then I worked in person at a startup. Startup that was acquired. So it was really cool to watch what happens when a startup gets acquired. Um, I worked at another startup and I just, I've had this really cool career trajectory, but I went over my storage for my Gmail account. And I know that happens probably to the best of us out here. And as I was going through and deleting messages, I ran across, or I reminisced or was reminded on how much I've had to do over the last few years, I'd say from 2012 up into now, which is 2021, interviewing, sending my resume, talking to people, phone interviews, um, rejection letters, uh, applications, and all those were in my Gmail. This is only one Gmail account, so I'm not even sure what will happen if I go to the others, but in one Gmail account, I just had all these messages and all these correspondences about jobs. And for full transparency, I feel like I've interviewed so much from 2012 up until now, but I've only had maybe a handful of offers. And so me cleaning out my Gmail happened just a couple days after I received a rejection phone call for a role that I'd been interviewing for in December. And so I really think that interviewing during the COVID process is challenging to begin with, because you really can't meet people in person. You can't go to office spaces in person. I don't get the in-person jitters of where I'm dressed up and where I'm taking my portfolio or my decks in to, to walk through with them. And so with this interview process, I actually had all these little 30 minute meetings with different people on the team. And it was kind of got to the point where I was like, wow, this is a lot. And then every I guess after every little round of meeting three or four more people, I thought, okay, this is the round where they give the offer. Like we're at the end. And so the final round that I got to ended up being where they asked me to do this presentation, which this happens a lot. And I'm going to come back to that whole thing 
later in this conversation, but they asked me to do a presentation on a Thursday. The present, I think the, I got the request for the presentation maybe Thursday at like 7 p.m. and or maybe Friday. It was just really late in the week, end of the day, like end of the business day. They're like, we need a presentation on XYZ. Spent all these hours putting this deck together for Monday morning at 10 a.m. Um, and then I have one final call with a VP at the company and it was on Teams. And I guess this is another downfall of interviewing during COVID as we were both on Microsoft Teams, but we weren't on the same one. And so she's waiting and I'm waiting and we never were able to connect. And then the holidays happen and then I get a rejection call. So layers and layers of things were going on and it's a lot to digest. And I definitely thought that I had this job in the bag, so I was a little bit disappointed. But in thinking about it further, I'm like, that really wasn't the best job for me. But that's not the point of this whole podcast. I think the point of what I really wanted to get to and what I'd really like to talk to you guys about is like what it takes to work in the digital marketing space. And also a couple things that flag you for interviewing for roles like this one that I just got rejection from to let you know, like this wasn't the right fit for you anyway, because sometimes we'll go through this long interview process and know or have this feeling like this is not for me. And I'm going to get into that in later. So the first thing I really want to talk about is like what it takes to work in this space. And I love answering that question just because I'm in so many peer groups with other people that work in digital or social or they have their own business related to the two. And I really think the top character trait in this space is flexibility. You have to have thick skin and you have to always be learning because this job rejection is probably definitely not the first and it definitely won't be the last if you're putting yourself out there and you're interviewing and you're going through all the steps to get hired you're not gonna hear yes every time and when I look back through my gmail I was I reminisce on the fact that I did do a lot of interviews but I've only had maybe seven offers so thinking of that and thinking of the odds it's like getting to that offer is not always Not always what you learn out of the process, because some of those offers are ones I had to turn down because they weren't the best fit. Or one offer I got, I remember they asked me, they gave me the offer like on a Wednesday. And then by Thursday, they were like, you don't seem excited. So we're taking the offer back. And to me, that's a big red flag because any job that gives you an offer isn't going to demand that you give them an answer the next day. Um, And that's very suspicious that they are very aggressive about like, you didn't, you didn't seem excited. You didn't respond right away. And I'm like, it's only been not even 24 hours. So, uh, that was a little weird and a little bit of an awkward experience. But like I said, a lot of times the interview process is where you learn about yourself, where you learn the companies are not a good fit and where you learn what to do the next time to get that offer that from the job that you really, really want. So first and foremost, I'd say if you want to work in the digital marketing space, like be, ready to always learn, be ready to be flexible. Because one of the common questions that I get is what does a digital marketer do? And I thought long and hard about how to answer that question. And the answer that I'm going to have to give is you do what the business needs for you to do. And I know that's not a fun answer to hear, but in the role that I'm in now, I interviewed for a position I thought was centered around analytics 
and data and aligning those things with marketing strategy. Whereas now I do more of what the business needs me to do, which is email focused. And I still do some of that strategy, but it's primarily focused on supporting email marketing efforts. Is that my dream? Ultimately, absolutely not. But that's what the business dictates that I should do. So if you want to work in this space, be ready for things like that to happen in previous roles. What the business wanted me to do dictates a lot of the day-to-day activities that I take. I used to do a lot more writing. I used to do press releases. Um, I used to do a lot of social media, a lot of tweets, a lot of Instagram posts. And so those were things that the businesses that I work for needed. And that need dictated what I did on a day-to-day basis. So when I have people ask me, what do you do every day? How does digital marketing work? How do you break into it? Well, be flexible, like the character traits say, be very flexible, be ready to always learn because sometimes I didn't know how to grow a brand on Twitter. I know that now, but you're going to have to figure it out because that's what the business needs for you to do. So You might come into a place or you might get hired for one thing in digital and then you have to shift or adapt and learn another aspect of digital that might not have been on your top priority list. So be ready to to shift, be ready to change. If we're keeping it candid here, I would say to me, this is a major con of working in digital because you don't really get to have a specialty. You have to be this generalist. And In some ways, that's really great for the business that you work for current state today. But when you get ready to grow your career or move on and move up, it's really hard to have this general set of skills and you really have to market yourself correctly to get that next opportunity. So while it's a major con, I think the pro part of it is that you're always learning, you're getting exposed to different things, you're getting to try different things, step outside of your comfort zone. But like I said, there's pros and cons to everything. So looking at both sides of it, I can see the negative as well. Another thing about working in digital, uh, your day-to-day work, every day is going to be really different. It's not monotony. It's not something where you're just constantly repeating tasks. Every campaign to me is a different campaign. Everything looks different. You get to try different things and almost I like roles where I'm able to fail faster, where I'm able to to try stuff, say this totally different didn't work and rarely do things totally not work. Sometimes parts of them don't work. And what are those parts that can make this project or campaign better? And I love doing that part of things. So I think that's a, a great part of working in this space. I don't do the same thing every day. Every campaign is very different. And that's the fun part. Um, another thing that I would say is it's, if you work in the digital space, a lot of times that's a really broad generalization. So when I think digital marketing, I think people often just associate that with like social media, maybe email, maybe SEO, maybe pay-per-click. Uh, and those are all aspects of it as well. But there's people who are like web designers who work in digital specific, they do websites and they do, um, I know some that specifically just do email marketing because emails are created using HTML and you need a graphic designer sometimes to help you with email marketing. Whereas sometimes I've worked in digital marketing and been the one-stop shop for a lot of different things. I've been the copywriter. I've been the audience select selection person managing some of the CRM, which is customer relationship marketing, building the audience who receives messaging, 
um, managing the legal aspects of email. So managing the opt-ins, the opt-outs, um, making sure that they're in compliance with can spam. If you don't know what that is, that's a whole nother aspect of email. I know some people work specifically in managing databases. So there's a wide, broad scope to this. And like I said, a lot of times what you do depends on what the business needs. One thing that I'll say about working in this space that I really don't like is the interview process. And I have run across a lot of companies wanting your ideas, but not hiring. And I really feel like the last role that I interviewed for, that's what they were about because the first conversation I had with the hiring manager, she said, I really like you. I'd love to keep in touch, even if this role isn't for you. And so now thinking back, I think she knew in that initial conversation that I shouldn't be hired for this specific role. But then after they got the presentation from me, all of a sudden they were like, you're not a good fit. So to me, that's suspicious, but also something that happens often just because a lot of companies are not hiring, but they will take advantage of the fact that they're a big name place and lure you in with an interview, take your presentation decks and leave that at that. So I always or I often go back and look at the job titles that they were hiring for to see if they ever hired someone. And oftentimes they just didn't. And so I'm always curious to look into that because it seems mysterious. And then I think a lot of times companies don't really know what they're looking for and they think interviewing a bunch of candidates will get them closer to what they're looking for. And I don't really think that approach works. I think it's a waste of time for the interviewee. It gets their hopes up and it's, it's a little bit discouraging when you get messages back, like this role was put on hold, they're reevaluating what they're looking for. And I know some of that's inevitable, but oftentimes some of these jobs know up front, like we don't really have the budget to hire, but we're going to bring you in for four or five rounds of interviews. And it just doesn't work like that. One place I interviewed in the past, I loved what they were trying to do. And I love the recruiters that I work with that got me in the door with the company. But what I didn't like was I was interviewing and I really wanted a, a job and I had an offer on the table and I went to them and I'm like, I'd love to work here, but if I have an offer, I kind of have to prioritize having an offer. And unfortunately that company wasn't really ready to move forward at the time. They didn't have all the buy-in they needed to hire for the role. And I don't think they ever hired for the role. And that happens a lot. I think that happens more often than getting rejections is the roles are never filled. And that's really interesting to me just because the roles are never filled. I think because there's a disparity between what the companies are looking for and the talent that's out there or the talent that would like to take the opportunity on some of that's part of the problem and then sometimes the companies have totally unrealistic expectations because I've seen job postings and they'll say they're looking for some kind of unicorn type person that's down for everything wants to get their hands dirty my favorite ridiculous phrase that job interviewees use is influence without authority. To me, that's always a red flag because that means they want you to have the skills enough to try to influence senior leadership and influence everybody that you work with, but they're not going to give you any type of seniority or authority to make decisions. And at the point where I am in my career, when I hear that, I really want to run. And when I heard someone say that on one of the calls I had for the 
previous job I was talking with, I was like, mm, that's, that's going to go in the, the red flag pile of things that you guys have said, just because influencing without authority, it's not impossible, but it's very challenging. And I think that that's cool for someone who might have one to three years experience, but I have about 12 and I have a master's degree and I didn't get a master's degree to influence without authority. So it's likely not the position for me. I know I'll probably have to do that in the future to an extent, but I would love to have some of the authority that is, should be warranted to me because of my experience level. And another thing that I really don't like is, and I know I've talked about this on my podcast before, but just thinking back to past moments, I don't like when I'm in a workplace and someone takes my work and then they're granted authority, but I'm not qualified enough to get it. And to me, that's a little bit suspicious too, where you want me to continue influencing without the authority, but you've given it to someone else based on my expertise to an extent because they've taken my work. So that kind of stuff starts happening. And another pattern that I noticed through my research for school is I interviewed a lot of people that work in marketing. And in the interview, um, part of the process was to do a survey. So through this survey, I was able to really connect with my peers. I was like, dang, some of the things I've been going through are universal and a lot of people are experiencing them. And what I found was a lot of women will work at an organization and then they have to leave that organization because there's no room for them to grow or advance. And that's been a really big challenge for me because I'll work in a role for a year or two and then I'm like, okay, I'd love to expand this role by doing ABC. And I face conflict with my manager because I, I ask for this new responsibility or because I feel like I'd like to grow in the role. And I often feel like my manager, especially in the last role I was in, was like, well, why can't you just do what you've been doing? Why can't you just keep with the job you already have? Why do you want to do all these extra things? And it got really tense between us because he challenged the fact that I wanted to grow. And then I wanted to do a little bit more and I wanted to expand my role and get more seniority and he didn't support it. So that kind of sucked. I mean, it sucked a lot. Um, I just am not a person who wants to work in the same job for years on end and retire in that job. It gets boring. And I know I've talked about career stuff before, but just for me personally, I'm really at this crossroads of like, okay, well, like what's next for me in this space? And if it's not in this place, I got to go somewhere else to find it. And I felt like a lot of people that I surveyed agreed with that sentiment. A lot of them were really frustrated that they couldn't advance more where they were and they have to leave in order to get the seniority and authority that they feel like they're warranted at this point in their career. I also felt like I hear so many stories that align with the interview process that I talked about before with the job I was interviewing with in December. And that is where a company will ask for a presentation or a deck. And I had two companies ask me for this in December where they were like, tell us what you would do in the 30, 60, 90 days that you're hired. Give us specific details. And I'm like, I feel like that's something that you get from a consultant and not something you ask candidates that are going to be hired. And I did answer the questions, but I didn't dive deeper into the details. And maybe that's why I didn't move forward. But I'm apprehensive about giving jobs that I'm interviewing for all of my ideas. And the only reason I say that is because 
oftentimes they just steal them. They don't want to pay for them and they abuse the interview process to, to take advantage of your ideas. And the other company I asked for, they asked for even more details of like, how would you do this? Who would you hire for your team? How would you do X, Y, Z? And I, and I, again, answered them as best I could, but I was like, I'd love to dive deeper into this when I'm hired for the role. And I don't know if they just don't like that, but I just get nervous when companies ask for that much stuff. Like I'm down to take a personality test, a Myers-Briggs, a Strengths Finder, or any other type of assessment. But I think when you want me to do a presentation and you want to record it so other people can watch it and you want me to do it for five, six, seven people on the team that maybe you're not necessarily hiring. You're just trying to get my expertise or my perspective on the specific demographic or the specific idea. And that's what I really felt like they were trying to do because that role was more for a marketing campaign targeted towards minorities. So of course you want a minority female's perspective on how she would speak to that demographic in the 30, 60, 90 days of working there. And like I said, in hindsight, I'm just kind of like, I'd love to be a part of your team, but I'd also love to have time to be immersed in your culture to learn more about it before I give you a strategic plan. And during the interview process, I definitely don't want to just hand off my work to you to take and run with. And I just noticed a couple themes and red flags about how they were going about the process that lend to that fear of me handing off something that they were just going to take and run with and leave me in the dust. On the flip side, as a consultant, I would love to do projects like that where I pitch them a 30, 60, 90 day strategic marketing plan. I want to be in marketing strategy and that's totally in my wheelhouse. And I think it would have been fun uh, to do as a consultant who's getting paid, not as an interview candidate who's trying to get a job and fearful of having their ideas taken advantage of. So, you know, for anyone out there who wants to work in this space, be really, really cautious about jobs that ask you for decks or presentations or ideas. Um, I know in the last role I got before the one I'm in currently, it was at a startup and they asked me for social media samples. And what I did was Uh, which I thought was a really great idea, go to some of the social media posts they already had up and tweak them, you know, with a little bit of copywriting, add some updated photos. And I felt really comfortable with doing that versus giving them new original content. And they were happy with what I did. I feel like I went above and beyond. I went to each different platform and every platform has a different uh, tone of voice or style. So I adapted those tone of voices and styles. I used the hashtags on the social media profiles that were applicable or the ones that really use those. And I wrote enough copy that was appropriate for like a LinkedIn post, Twitter or Instagram, because they all have different requirements for what they want to see copy wise and what kind of imagery that they want to see. And I was able to convey my skill set that way. And so I'm always down to take that approach to show off who I am and what I do. And I also have a portfolio that includes writing samples and strategic direction I've given in the past, including case studies with results. So I have content that can show off who I am and what I do. Uh, But what I'm not going to do where I draw the line is giving away ideas for free during the interview process because I've been burned a couple times by big, big companies. I won't name them, but I definitely want other people to heed the warnings um, 
to, to see this as a red flag. A company might ask you for samples of your work, but there's a, there's a way that you can navigate that to show off who you are and what you do without allowing them to take advantage of you as a candidate and your desire to want to work for them. So be on the lookout for those. All in all, I when I really, really think about working in this space, I genuinely love it. Um, like I said, there's some cons to it and there's some struggles I feel like I've dealt with over the last few years throughout my career in the space. Ultimately, would I choose to do something else? Probably not entirely. I think this is my career and I'm excited that I've found what I really want to do. And I think in some variation, I'll be doing this for the rest of my life, uh, for the rest of my working life. So that makes me excited. I definitely think the space needs a lot of work. Like There needs to be more talent at at the lower level, I think it's really difficult for people who want to break into this space to get exposure to the right projects and the right people to help them take their careers to the next level. I think that there's a lot of people in this space who are able to pretend like they have the skills. Maybe they don't have the skills. Um, maybe they don't have the professionalism, but ultimately the biggest pro I think of all is that there's room for all of us to be here and to to work in the space and to have the skills and to grow. And I've seen some people have small businesses. Like I said, I've done the consultant side. I've been an influencer. Um, I've done that. I've worked full-time in the digital space. I've worked as a contractor in the digital space. I've worked at a small agency, big corporation. And there's pros and cons to each of those things. But I think ultimately for me and the brand of Dana, I've been able to learn a lot. I've been exposed to a lot of different things and I'm just really excited about what's next for me as I continue to push towards that. And hopefully the more I learn, the more I can share with you guys so you can learn and you can grow. And those of you who want to work in this space, I made this podcast just for you so you could listen and learn from it. And I love when people ask me for guidance and I'm like, Hey, go listen to this podcast episode. Cause it tells you all about how XYZ works or how this works or that works. And so hopefully this will be that resource to point you in the right direction in terms of what it takes to, to stick it out and red flags as you try to interview and move within the space or up the ladder. Thank you so much for listening. I, like I said, love podcasting and I love making episodes. And this one is definitely candid, as candid as I could be about my journey working in this space. And uh, hopefully you guys get some insight out of it and we'll come back to listen to more episodes. You can give me a review. I, that would, I would love that if you rated my podcast, hopefully five stars uh, and leave me some great feedback. My blog is thegreatnanaj.com. I'm the Great Nina J on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so you can find me there. I feel like since it's corona, I've been laying a little bit low on social channels, but I'm about to come out of hibernation, so rock with me if you can. (laughs) Uh, And I will be back soon with the next episode, and I hope that you guys enjoyed this one. If you have any questions, my email is Dana at thegreatnanaj.com. So talk to you guys soon. Bye.